Hello, dreamers. This is Janine and Stephanie. And this is the Course of Course episode 71. Yay. Wow. We have a lot to talk about. Stephanie, I think in our last podcast, we had talked about looking forward to the workshop with the Renard and Jones family Christmas. Yeah. um, The sign of Christmas is a star. The sign of Christmas is a star. It was the name of the workshop. It was in Los Angeles, actually in Culver City. And it was on December 7th, I believe. And we had wanted to podcast a couple of days after that, but we were having some technical difficulties. So we were able to use some magic this morning. Stephanie did a prayer and an incantation, and it allowed us to open up the airwaves. So we're so happy to be back with our listeners The nice thing about, there are many nice things about the workshop, but we met so many new people and we learned that there were actually a couple that are listening to us on this podcast. I'm always thrilled to hear that because we never really know if we're getting out there to the world at large or not. So that was a huge, uh, exciting kind of discovery for us. Yeah, we should do some shout outs. I I collected some cards. So let's give a shout out to Glenda. She's in North Carolina. And she's hosting a Gary Renard workshop. I think it was in March. You can find it on his website. She leads a study group. She was awesome. Also, Vishali from Sedona, who gives tours of the Vortex. And uh, Suki, of course, our good friend from San Diego, who hosts Gary and Cindy um, every year for the last five years, which we've gone to her house. So yay for Suki. And we also met our Frenchie. Yes. So that was Stefan. I can't remember Stefan's last name, but uh, what a pleasure it was to meet him. He actually came to the workshop from France specifically to go to see Gary and the family. He was great. Um, He's this amazing, charming, loving, younger. 22, 23. Yeah, but um, he definitely is a student um, of the course, and I think he's living it. And it was such an honor to get to know him in the brief time that we were together. So, Stefan, shout out. I Actually, we went to dinner after the workshop, and while we were sitting there, I downloaded (laughs) the course of course podcast onto his phone because that's what we have to do listeners. We have to force it people <laughs> around the world. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to listen to us moving forward. And I hope he, he hears us in our, our loving embrace to him over in France. And our new friend, Carol, he was in line at the whole foods listening to the Jesus and Buddha audio book when Gary mentioned our podcast. So he listened to it and he said, Oh my gosh, Gary's doing a workshop. We should go down. So He ended up coming solo and uh, we all got to meet him and Mikey knew him too. Like the biggest shout out goes to Mikey who bought an airline ticket and came down from Ashland, Oregon. And he stayed with me, which was awesome. We went up to Malibu and we went to Yogananda's place. One of my favorite places on the whole planet at the Lake Shrine. But Mikey ended up jumping in and helping. And so did you at the workshop. So between the merchandise and the front door and me filming, um, we had a good team day. We did indeed. We'll be sending our invoices shortly. <laughs> and one shout out to Pablo from Texas. He, I met him at the Boston uh, Course in Miracles work, um, co- conference, which is happening here in Los Angeles at the end of May. And you can get tickets for that. If you want to come experience a whole weekend of all kinds of course teachers, which the same teachers, Gary Renard, Cindy, Laura Renard and Jackie, Laura Jones will be featured um, as some of L.A.'s finest at the Course in Miracles conference in May. And we will be there signing autographs to anyone who (laughs) probably just to ourselves. But that's okay. I would love your autograph, Stephanie. (laughs) silly 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 i do want to say like i'm still um enjoying the afterglow of that conference and one of the things that is giving me immense joy is a conversation i had with someone i'm not gonna call this person out but this person's gonna know i'm talking about them um i it's a a gentleman and i had met him kind of like at the front front door because i was helping out checking folks in and we had some discourse pleasant discourse you know for a while but I really wasn't registering it because I was kind of checking in so many people and learning new people and all that kind of stuff he had said some stuff and I'm sure it was delightful but the one thing that I I heard and I started really paying attention to him 
was when he said this. And I got to say, it still gives me so much joy. And I giggle every time I think about it. And I thought about it this morning and giggled again. He had said stuff. All I heard was blah, blah, blah. And then he introduced himself. I introduced myself. And for some reason, he said, well, you know, I've already met my soulmate. In my mind, that was like the best pickup line I've ever heard in my life. I was like, why can't everybody just be like, look, next time I meet some guy, I'm going to be like, I've already met my soulmate. You know what I mean? So let's just put that on the table. It still makes me laugh. I loved it in the thought bubble above my head. I really thought, well, you, you just now met me. So it made me laugh so hard internally. And I thought, who is this guy? The fact that he came out with that, I it's like I would love to steal that line. And I'm going to say it to everybody like, hey, it's cool. I, I already met my soulmate. <laughs> it still <laughs> makes me laugh. I just love it. But anyway, this person, uh, I can't stop thinking about him only because I just found him so joyful. And anybody that can make me laugh and people who know me, I just I love doing that. I would I would sit around and just read comedy all day or watch a comedy show all day. I just I love laughing. He just brought such a a huge light for me. Um, so it was like such a bonus to not only meet him, but also um, our, our dear Frenchman and some of our, our old friends that are so important to us. And they're kind of like our spiritual family. Okay. To me, it was like the perfect 24 or 48 hours. I felt like I was basking in just joy. Yeah, it did feel like it was a repeat. And people were saying that a lot, that it was kind of the same group that was around with Jesus times. And we just were coming back together again to continue to undo the mind. And it was just a different setting, a different time. But we're all constantly just trying to do that one thing, which is to just really accept the full love and the light, which takes time to be adjusted to be able to receive that. That's why it's a practice. I got to say, I was feeling a little jealous. I was feeling jealous of the folks that that were sharing that they were getting a download and, you know, they're remembering past lives where we were together and stuff. And I was like, why can't I have a download? <laughs> they bummed me out. I was like, but I want to join this club, you know? I know the person next to me and the person across from me were like getting visuals yeah. of the feel that we were all having back in those days. And I was like, why can't I have a picture of that time too? I just wanted to be one of this special, those special clan, you know, and well, even dear Stefan was having those as well. So, and I had turned to him at one point and I said, this is not an accident that you're here at this table with us, that somehow you came from France and you are sitting across the table from three people right now in your eye line that, have had these experiences in the Jesus lifetime so that you know what I mean there's there's no this is not by accident you're here for a reason and then he started sharing how he knows all of us so it was like wow why can't I okay so I've been having this issue with food lately and I know it has to do with a little bit like with sweetness like I'm trying to get the sweetness of heaven I know I'll never find it in food, really. Um, so I, I, I got this prompting. Like, we all get promptings in different ways. For me, it was like Cindy telling me to go grab her book, which I did. And I started rereading it, which is A Course in Health and Well-Being. But then once my mind was able to relax a little bit, I got that what the message really was is she had sent me another book that I forgot about, which is The Overeating, A Dialogue with Ken Wapnick that was translated with three participants. So I pulled that book out and I'm like, oh yeah, this is the book I'm supposed to be reading. So this plays in perfectly because there's something he says in the very beginning, which is something that I feel like I'm, I'm hearing maybe for the first time, but getting it a, a, a lot deeper and richer than I ever have before. And this is what it says. A Course in Miracles teaches that our minds have a choice between the ego's thought system of specialness and the Holy Spirit's thought system of forgiveness. So simple. But the thought system of specialness, you and I were just talking about how we wanted to feel special like the rest of the people around the table who are getting these downloads. Yes. Specialness, specialness. It just really is hitting me like not only is the world 
and the body made up by the ego, but the the whole thought system is around making us special and different and it has so many ways of, of performing that, so many distractions. I got that the Holy Spirit's thought system is forgiveness, and I know that's a practice and all that, but that was just something new for me about kind of tuning into the specialness. Well, I'm just trying to connect it to overeating or kind of like food addiction, because I think a lot of people have that, right? I have um, an addiction to, I'm, I don't really eat sweets a lot. It's not my thing, but there is one sweet that I feel like it's sort of my cocaine and it is hot tamale cinnamon candies. Sounds crazy. They're from the Mike and Ike family of candies. Um, there's something about, I can't help it. Like when I'm at the grocery store and I see them, I have to get them. It is overwhelming. It sounds so silly. Like why of all things to be addicted to why that, I guess it's one of the safer ones, but I'm trying to reconcile what you're talking about specialness to my intense desire to consume as much as quickly as possible. These candies, like where does that intersect? I got to I got to think on this. Um, all I can do is like back it up, which is something I've learned from Jackie, which I was pleased to hear Mark say on stage a week ago, which is separating ourselves into these bodies and into this world, thinking that we're different than God and that we can do anything we want, like buying Ike's hot tamales. <laughs> um, the whole thing, I feel like is harmful. Like it's, it's feeding into the separation and it's all about the separation that we think this is real. So our, our real goal is just to keep practicing forgiveness to heal the separation. So we're at oneness because we never left heaven. Right. I don't know if I have the exact answer right at this moment, but in turning away from God and all that guilt the guilt just has to keep getting projected. And I feel like it, it projects in so many different ways. Um, in my own little fantasy world, I believe that Jesus had some sort of addiction to, let's just say, I don't know. Hazelnuts. Hazelnuts or fish or whatever. And like, no matter where he went, he had to have them. <laughs> that, that keeps me sane. You know, I think if he was exposed to uh, these hot tamale cinnamon candies, he would understand. He would understand why it's so overwhelming for me. How delicious they are. Delicious they are. But the other thing is you and I have had a probably a decade um, addiction and love of the blood of Christ in the term of wine. We have been to many wine areas, wine regions. We've drank ourselves through most of California and Oregon. Um and for a while, I was getting a little worried because I felt like I was drinking too much of it. And I was worried because many of you already know this, but I moved to uh, Dallas, Texas a couple of years ago. I don't really have any friends or family or anything. I have my cat here. So I am not a huge fan of drinking alone at home. And I feel like I was doing that too much. And, you know, it's not great for me. One of the advantages of uh, growing older is I'm starting to get like headaches sometimes from the toxicity. So I've definitely just really slowed down completely on that. I don't I don't carry one in the house or anything like that. Not that I wouldn't drink it. But for a while there, I was seriously getting a little concerned for me because I felt like it, it was way too important. You know, I, I never really felt like I was on the, the verge of alcoholism, but it was always kind of like in the back of my mind. So it made me start to think about, well, what is the root of addiction? And maybe this goes back to what you were saying earlier about the specialness of it, whether it's um, food or activity or exercise, or whatever. It's like it helps continue to give that perception of separateness and specialness. Like if I exercise three hours a day, that sounds excessive, then I will be special and beautiful and I'll be fit and all that kind of stuff. If I drink this luscious wine, then it's going to make me feel so good so there's always this oh it'll make me feel better or something like whatever that device is through the illusion make me feel like uh, I'm better than I am or better than I feel like I am or whatever so I think that's probably like part of it it's interesting how the course is so clear on hey you know there's there's holy relationships and there's special relationships and, and pretty much third dimension is about special relationships 
uh, with everything, with food, with the way we react to each other, with relationships, whatever. And a special relationships just mean separation as opposed to holy relationships. And when we were at that conference last weekend, I thought a lot about holy relationships and how I really want that. I think both of us are sort of to the point now because we've had many relationships in our life. I certainly have. And although they were lovely and bless them all, they were definitely special relationships. And I wasn't on the spiritual path. I certainly wasn't on the course path that I, I didn't recognize it. I was caught up in that crazy behavior that people have in these, these special relationships where, you know, you, you get irritated with each other and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I'm definitely past that now. So now it's a matter of, okay, if there's a holy relationship in my future, I'm finally to the point now where not only do I get it, but I welcome it because I understand it a lot more. So whether it's a holy relationship with food or whatever, it's just about trying to figure out who you are in the experience of overeating or drinking too much or whatever, right? We don't need any of that. That's that's just like our crutch. Once we get through that and understand a little more, and you know, I applaud you for kind of digging a little deeper into the overeating aspect. Because a lot of people, you know, have that. There are times when I would love to eat an entire cake. I love cake, but it's also something that I don't really want to eat, even though when I eat it, it's amazing. You know, I also know, well, that's not really doing anything for me. Much like the hot tamale candies, I know they're not doing anything for me, but oh my God, I love them so much. I can't wait to get to a point where when I consume them, it's out of complete love. And I'm not consuming them and feeling terrible about it afterwards. You know, it's like that difference of of the mind and judgment. That's what it boils down to is it's all in the mind. So it's not about behavior. Like it's okay to have the hot tamales and you can invite Jay to eat them with you. He would love hot tamales. Are you kidding me? He'd be all over those. And as long as love is in our mind and we're in that thought system of the Holy Spirit's, We can do anything. We can drink wine. We can eat hot tamales. I can have as many ice creams as I want. Okay. I'm totally following you. So if you overeat, let's just say you eat a gallon of ice cream a day because ice cream tastes so good. But if your mind is saying, oh, no, this is bad for me, but I'm going to do it anyway, then in some ways you have hate in your heart. And so therefore, you know, you're making it real. And there's a deep seated belief that the more you eat it, the the more you'll gain weight. Yeah, there's that pleasure pain thing, like that Anthony Robbins thing. Like, you know, you get a you get pleasure in the moment, but then you have the pain the second after. Right. As opposed to me just eating uh, hot tamales and thinking this is the best thing ever, thank you, and then leaving it there instead of carrying it with me. Like, exactly. oh no, I have this addiction. What am I going to do? And because it is moment to moment to be able to have that muscle built to be able to hold that through the whole box of eating the hot tamales (laughs) I mean it's like you could start off on the first maybe handful of hot tamales with Jay but maybe by the end of the box or by the end of the pint of ice cream I'd be like hating myself again you're right though but like if we could get to that part of the the right mind where we just see that this is a dream And because of that separation, guilt is expressed in a variety of ways. And so the guilt is always going to be expressed in every moment because that's the thought system of the ego. And in the body, it's like usually to fill it up and to try and stuff the feelings or to try and feel some pleasure in the moment to try and feel like we have that love of God in the moment through an ice cream. It feels like that in the moment, but then the second later it shifts again. And and that's because we're focused in the world instead of in our mind on love. Man, is this a big one? It is a big one, isn't it? <sighs> These layers of the onion. We've talked about this before in a similar vein. I've been dealing with, uh, I've been talking about like work issues for a while, but I kind of worked through one of them. So hopefully one of those layers has peeled off. I was having an issue with somebody at work who was just in my mind, my decision-making mind. I felt like this person was being disrespectful and, you know, unprofessional and condescending. And those are the labels I slapped on this person. So I had to step back and because it was just driving me insane, like, 
you know, what is happening right now? I know as a course student that whatever was being projected was me. And this person was just cast in the role of being the work monster. But it, it really shifted for me probably a month ago, I guess, where I had to sit back and go, hold on. You know, if you don't take care of this now, you're just going to keep perpetuating it. I, I recognized that and I was saying that to myself for months, but I really didn't commit to saying this needs to stop. And so I took some time and I thought, OK, what's really happening here? Why are you generating this? Why? You know, and, and thanking this person for being the the receptor of my projection. So it turns out that, you know, one morning, one Monday morning, I was invited to a meeting and somebody had said, oh, by the way, we just decided I wasn't part of it. We just decided that we're going to move this person off of this particular project. And this other person is going to come on. And just so you know, Janine, this person has said nothing but amazing things about you. And I'm so excited that you guys are going to work together and, you know, this is going to be great. And I took a deep breath and I thought, oh, my God, I did that. Not to be like conceited or anything, but I thought, thank you, course, Jesus, Holy Spirit, for kind of allowing me or me allowing myself to get past that and go, oh, Now I get it. Now I know how to do it because I felt like before I was thinking it, but I wasn't doing it. Like I didn't understand how to get like step one, step two, step three. So I'm I'm grateful for that. I feel like I can breathe again. I was under this cloud of, I don't know, discord that I don't have. So, wow, that was a big one. It'll be interesting to see if I do create this pattern again, because I certainly have in the past, how I address it. Because now I feel like I finally have tools in my tool belt and not just, oh, yeah, this is how I think it should work. So that was huge for me. That is I just I felt like something's happened in the past month. Certainly last week was a very huge indicator for me that I am kind of like finally doing a course correction to my benefit using the course and understanding like how to apply it. And that's why I was so interested in, in your take on the food thing, because it's all the same, right? It's just, it, it just shows up in different modalities. That's one of the things they were focused on at the workshop last week was because it's in the text, you know, make this year, make everything all the same. Make this year different by making it all the same. Yes, yeah, so let's talk a little about the workshop. So there were five people on stage. It was uh, Gary Renard, Cindy Laura Renard, and it was uh, Jackie, Jackie Laura Jones, Mark Jones, and Jackie and Cindy's mother, Doris. Is it Doris Jones? Jo- Doris Laura. You know, they opened up with some Christmas music, which was fantastic. And then each of them kind of traded off and and talked a bit. I just, I loved it. I love their energy. I love the fact that it was a full packed house. So every seat was taken. It was in a great venue um, at Unity in Culver City, California. Everything was just perfect for me. I just felt like it was just, I was floating for the day and certainly the day after. One of the things I liked was, I think Mark brought this up about the solstice and the equinoxes. And he was saying that coming up until Christmas, we're in this darkness. And then on the 21st, you know, when the solstice happens, we turn back towards the light. I thought that was cool. But it's also like, I think in the past, I've always looked at the darkness as being a negative. But I just think there's so much interesting kind of like experience in the darkness because if, the, if there isn't darkness, then there can't be light kind of thing. Well, it's that whole duality. But I love actually the fall going into winter. I kind of do. I mean, I don't necessarily love the fact that it gets dark at like five o'clock. But I I just truly appreciate kind of like that symbolism of going within and kind of like being underneath covers and burrowing in. And, you know, there's there's joy there. I love the light, obviously, but there's so much to explore in the dark as well. And the world tends to slow down, it feels, a little bit, except for, like, the holiday stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. Which can get a little crazy. I mean, this is kind of a side note, but those of you who are in social media, I I have a Twitter account, but I also have a, a second Twitter account, which is sort of an anonymous one that I use just to actually follow 
people. But I'm getting more traction on the the non-Janine Twitter handle. Um, I posted something the other day. All I said was like, uh, I'm in or something. It was innocuous. And all of a sudden I got, you know, all these follows. And I thought, how interesting social media is that we're all anonymous. And yet we look to followers and we look to like say stuff. I, I don't really do that. But a lot of people will say stuff that is, you know, rather inflammatory or whatever on social media. And then people get all excited about it and they, they tweet it and they say, oh, no, you're crazy and all that kind of stuff. How much we project all this this illusion, right? Illusion on how we communicate with one another and these ideas and stuff when ultimately it would be great if social media actually brought us all together. I was thinking the other day that I remember I had these um, two, I guess you would call millennials that were direct reports for me. This was years ago. You know, I really liked them. They were just out of college. I think it was their first job for both of them, male and female. And how funny it was that one of them, the male, um, we were just in conversation and just a little background. Um, I, I've been in technology for a long time. So I remember when the Internet came up and I did a lot of coding and stuff and uh, information security stuff and all that back in the early days of the Internet. So I understand how it all works. And so this uh, young man who is a, was a millennial still is. He had and, and the girl, too. I think they both had preconceived notions because I was a little older that I didn't understand how technology worked. And he actually handed his phone to me, his iPhone. And he said, um, yeah, do you understand Instagram? Do you want me to show you? Mm-hmm. And I remember still going, what? And so reflexively, I responded, well, what layer on the stack are you talking about? And he just was like, What? So he tried to okay boomer me uh, before that was even a thing. And I kind of uh, did a boomerang back to him as an okay millennial. And I thought, how fascinating that we, <laughs> that he was coming at me and I was coming at him over something that was so silly. But it really gave me an insight into we have to remember that there are people in other generations, either older than us, younger than us, or whatever we are on social media, that we have to have a way to come together, that we can't kind of differentiate because we're from a different generation or a different experience of learning. And that's why I was thinking about social media, like it would be great, ideally, once we all, you know, get to the point where we have enlightened, (laughs) that we can use these kind of tools to, to really be embracing and bridge building and not so divisive. And I was just remembering, you know, these these small little experiences I had in the past and how I have been divided or I would react in a way that was like, you know, don't insult me. I, you know, I was there and built the internet, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So hopefully as we move forward in time, I keep remembering this. So when people respond to something that I may tweet or I respond to something they may tweet, I need to just back the truck up. And just realize that we're all the same. Remember that it's Jesus tweeting. There you go. There is a, a Twitter account. It's called the the Tweet of God. It's really funny. That reminds me of that cute TV show that was on last year. God was in the title, but it was a social it, media. It was called God Friended Me. God Friended Me. I love that show. I think she canceled it. That's a shame. God can't even stay on a network. <laughs> well, like they said, if Jay was alive today... They wouldn't believe him or accept him because he wouldn't be perfect enough for them. And they wouldn't like the way he dressed. No, <laughs> or the things he had to say. Yeah, and they may think that he was a, an alcoholic. It was really hard to drink purified water back in the day. The water was not exactly potable. Alcohol was a big thing. That and beer and mead and whatever else they drank. Man, am I glad that we're at least our illusion is in 2019 going into 2020. Because back in the day, they didn't have hot tamale candies. No, they didn't. Uh, One of the things that they said on the stage last week, which we've all heard many times, but I made a little sign to remind myself because it just was one of those bams. You know, are you hostage to the ego or host to God? Probably 90% of the time, though, I'm hostage to the ego. So it's a good way for me to, like, see my little sign when I pass by the bathroom mirror or the kitchen sink to be like oh yeah which thought system am I in (laughs) oh it's really really I'm glad you brought this up because I was talking to somebody 
about, I can't remember who it was, about leaving signs like in your house. And you do this really well. So anybody who would visit Stephanie, uh, she has all these, I don't know, index cards or whatever all around. And, and they're like sayings, right, to remind her um, to, you know, stay on the right path. And how important it is to ensure that you don't forget, especially in moments for me at work when I get triggered. So on my desk at work, I have the giant, I think it was like a way of mastery book two or something. And so I have a thing where when people are kind of driving me a little nutty, I will grab the giant book. I could be on a conference call and somebody is just really pinging me. And I thought, okay, I need to back up. So here I am opening up my little giant book and I'm reading it because I love that series, three book series, Way of Mastery. I can't say enough about that series. But anyway, I'll be reading it and somebody will come over and start talking to me. And, you know, here I have this book open. It's clearly a spiritual book. There's Jesus all over it. I've got, you know, highlighted passages and they're looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, like this is too weird. And then they kind of back away. Like what I'm reading is nuclear or something like what is going on? So uh, I'm noticing now that when people come over and even if I don't have the book open, I might just have it on the desk. It's pretty prominent. It's right in front of me. Actually, it's closer to me than my laptop is. They all are asking me, well, what is that book? Because the way of mastery could be anything. It could be mastering sourdough bread or something. Um, So they don't know. And I say, oh, my God, this is the best book. I would love you to read it. It's about the Course in Miracles and Jesus. And I never would have done that before. And now all of a sudden I feel so much safer in my own belief system that it's okay for me to share. That's fantastic. That's a huge breakthrough. Huge breakthrough. Because for a long time, I kind of felt like I didn't want people to know. Like it was some dirty secret or something. At the Boston conference, this definitely came up. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, whose families aren't into it. And so they're just kind of a lone ranger Mm -hmm. and they're afraid to talk about it at work or with extended family or friends because they're afraid of getting shut down and killed off. It was hard for me to explain to them what the Course in Miracles was because I felt like I didn't have enough of an understanding of it to do a decent job. But also, and we've talked about this before, because we've gone through the spiritual buffet line. You and I have been through all of it, all of the the new age kind of stuff that we've experienced and loved every moment of it. My analytical side always felt a little weird about it, even when I was doing academic parapsychology. So that was that was university stuff, right? When I was in that mode, academic ghostbuster mode, I kind of had to compartmentalize a lot of that stuff because I was a scientist, right? So I couldn't believe in I Ching and, you know, tarot card reading because that's just nuts. And, you know, there's no scientific basis for it, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of lived on both of those realms. Like when we were um, in grad school, we were partaking in all that stuff. And, you know, we would get psychic readings and channel material. And like I was so into Seth Speaks, the Jane Roberts material, loved it. Like I read all that. I consumed it like it was air. But as I kind of like grew older, not necessarily wiser, but older, my mind was kind of like going back and forth between being open Um, sometimes I think a lot of that stuff is a little too open and then becoming a little more closed because, you know, of academics and analytics and statistics. I do think it's funny that science was always trying to measure that, which I believe is immeasurable, but yet science can't help it because that's what it wants to do. It it can't, you know what I mean? It's just like anything else without uh, being able to measure it isn't science, therefore it can't exist. So it was like all that crazy stuff. And now that I'm this, um, you know, mature person, um, my world is it, it's it's gray. It's no longer black and white. So it's like a whole different kind of way of thinking. And the course has really helped me get to that point. When we were in grad school, we were um, we read that book, uh, Cracking the Cosmic Egg, I think. 
I can't remember. Joseph Chilton maybe read it. And basically it was like, you know, you have these changes in your, in your belief system and like it shatters your, your mind and then you put the pieces back together and then something else happens and it shatters it and puts it back together. And Gurdjieff talked about uh, the shocks in our life. You know, we're basically sleepwalking and then something happens in our life and we wake up momentarily and it could be like a life change, like a divorce or a death or whatever. And then we go back to sleepwalking again. The beauty of that and us going through that is kind of experiencing it. For me, it's like, thank goodness I learned all about that. Now I can move on to this other stuff because it was fun. And and there was a lot of social aspect to it. Like we would all get together and talk about stuff and, you know, uh, I don't know, UFOs and whatever our topic du jour was. It was very much like a community of people who really were yearning to learn more and understand we, I shouldn't say you, I'll say me. I wasn't ready for the course even when we got the blue book when we were in grad school. It wasn't until Disappearance of the Universe that, you know, I got my Gurdjieff shock and my crack in the cosmic egg where things really started falling into place. But I wasn't there in graduate school. Um, and that's cool. I mean, I had a lot more to learn. I had a lot of self-reflection to do. Whether I'm coming back in my next lifetime or not, you know, I, I'm so grateful for the Janine lifetime. I'm so grateful for things like you, you and I, um, we haven't been married and we don't have children. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with either one of those. It's just for me in the Janine lifetime, it, it, it has allowed me the freedom and the opportunity to find out who I am in relation to God. I don't think I could have done that as me um, if I did have children. Because I believe I would be so focused on them and, and not as focused on me. So we've talked about this before. Thank you, Jesus, um, that for whatever reason, this particular lifetime is really dedicated on figuring out how we can ascend. And, you know, every morning, I'm, I'm so grateful for that, <laughs> especially, you know, when I'm around other people that are they have a lot of struggles and, you know, I'd love to help them. But, you know, I can only really help them by understanding me a little more. Um, because it, you know what I mean? Otherwise it becomes like a, a whole different path to go down. I got the audiobook for Yogananda, autobiography of Yogananda. Mm -hmm. But one thing I wrote down from him was man is never satisfied completely and pursues one goal after another. There's something else he seeks is the Lord. Outward longings drive us from the Eden within they offer false pleasures that only impersonate soul happiness. The lost paradise is quickly regained through divine meditation. And for me, that goes back to that. I forget. I remember. I forget. I remember. And like all the what you were just speaking about, all the different buffet lines that we've been in. They've all been a part of remembering who we are and then kind of forgetting and then remembering. And I think that's. The cosmic crack with du is that it actually gave some power or some structure for holding on to the remembering where before i didn't have a, a construct or anything like it just none of it made sense not only the course but like the rest of it just didn't solve wasn't the answer for me like there's something about the course that just makes sense to me <laughs> As crazy and radical as the thought system is of that none of this is real. And at the workshop, you know, one of our San Diego compadres asked the panel about, you know, it seems real. Like he's he's been studying like us, but even still the ego is always constantly using everything as a weapon against us to keep our minds off and trying to be confused and figure things out and and he was really struggling. I could see him in the audience um, just having a hard time with understanding, like, how could this be happening? Any of it, <laughs> you know, like if we never left heaven and we're naturally love. Yeah, OK, so we're having a nightmare, but just freaking wake us up. <laughs> but it's like we're just not ready to wake up completely like there is some undoing there's been layers well I mean I really like what you were saying about the course and and kind of providing you kind of like the the context it's kind of like course um gave us the framework to hang our hat like we 
kind of understood it, but it was like disjointed information and, and DU kind of wrapped it up in a bow for us to go, oh, now I get it. I just remember it, it was so kind of um, charming the way, if I can say this, give ourselves compliments. But back when we were reading DU and how it blew our minds and how we both kind of experienced that journey together in 2013, I think, just going, wow, can you believe this? It was so nice to have kind of like a companion along the way. I don't know if I would have gotten it in the same way if you weren't there and us to kind of bounce the stuff off of. Because we were constantly going, oh, my God, what do you think this means? I don't know. So does this mean this? You know what I mean? Like that is the power of, you know, having companions along the way. For sure. And continuing to practice. Like I do feel... I have more power and strength in it now, five years later than when I started. But I still see there's a journey ahead of me. You know, when I look around people at that dinner table who could download and have visual pictures, not that that's a measure of how we are on the path of repairing everything in our wrong mind. But um, it's a symbol. And. I just got to have faith that thing that you can't measure that God is really taking care of this on the back end, that he's healing the entire sonship. And that light is just pouring the love from the dream, extending everywhere. Like um, one of my favorite prayers. Be still my mind. No. um, The forgotten song beyond the body, beyond the sun and stars, past everything you see. And yet somehow familiar is an arc of golden light. And it just keeps like going on in this beautiful prayer. And I have it posted in different places. And I usually know it by heart, but I guess I'm feeling nervous at the moment of trying to remember it on without having it in front of me. So it's not all coming to me, but I feel like Jesus channeled the words through Helen and the information's there. Like they said, it's simple. It's a simple thought system. It's moment to moment. It's regaining and connecting with the love within and just taking whatever's happening in front of us on the on the screen and just giving it over and just forgiving. I'm forgiving this illusion over. I'm just constantly giving the illusion over when I remember. (laughs) And then you get hooked and you get sidetracked and then you have to come back and it just takes practice. I agree. I just think the course is so intoxicating now. It has replaced my my wine thing. It's not now I just drink this in. I, I wanted to talk about something um, that happens during the workshop. There was this uh, lovely man who kind of talked about um, he was relating to Gary talking in Disappearance of the Universe when Gary had went to a movie um, and he didn't really like it and he was going to choose another one, but he went to that one. And uh, Art and Purse was basically telling him, look, um, you know, had you gone to the other one, then you would have left at a different time and, and would have gotten into a car accident. And so the gentleman in the audience had related kind of like sort of a similar story that he and his wife went to see this movie and he hated it like he hated it. And then when they left, they ended up getting in a car accident. Um I want to share this only because it gives you kind of like an example of how uh, certain pieces of information in different stories can be similar but completely different. So this gentleman was talking about how how much he hated this movie and he really wanted to leave and his wife wanted to stay and they ended up leaving. And he went on and on about how much he hated this movie. This movie uh, was one of the movies that I love so much that I would watch it all day. It's called The Aristocrats. And when he was giving the story, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, I, I just want to hug him and stuff. Like I, I felt like really connected to him and his experience. But for the Janine experience, I was just laughing in, you know, in my mind because I love that movie so much. So it was started playing in my mind. And I thought how interesting that we all experience things in the world, the false illusory world. That for whatever reason, we have different experiences over the same thing. So obviously, I wasn't in the theater with him during that time period. And, you know, he's got his own path and I've got my own path. But I thought how fascinating that we both 
had a, an extremely different experience with the same thing. And it's a really interesting example of how all of us have different ways of approaching things and different ways of seeing things that could be diametrically opposed or could be similar. But to me, again, it was another example of just because you think of something one way doesn't mean other people are either. It goes back to making sure that we all can at least find the the Holy Spirit within us and that all of us are Jesus and all of us um, are using our experiences to learn and to grow and to expand and to transcend. And for me, I just thought it was an interesting kind of like example of the differences that I could have in experience and other people might not be having. And always remember that just because I see something that may be uh, black and white, somebody else may see it as orange. So it was like a I remember sitting there when he was talking about that, thinking, wow, as it was unfolding for me, sitting in that chair, how fascinating it was watching kind of like two different experiences happening about the same subject matter. It's a perfect duality example. Right. Yeah. I mean, politics came up a bit. Um, it's just everything's duality. I mean, even Wapnick was saying that we think that there's good food and bad food. You know, some sometimes in time it's more voluptuous and desirable to be heavy because it shows that you're wealthy, you know, and in other times it's better to be a size zero because whatever reasons are behind that. It's like it's just constant, this division and this trying to make everything different and separate. Yeah, that's true. It makes me think of Walter Simcue's book that I learned about through Jackie Laura Jones podcast. He talks about reincarnation and following kids that remember their past lifetimes. And he's able to go interview some of those members that are still alive from those other families. And sometimes or the I would say the um, what I'm trying to say is that the end result is that. I might be a Muslim in the next lifetime. You know, I might be Hispanic. I might be a man. I might be gay. Like, I might be the total opposite. Like, it just, we're everything and we're nothing because none of it's real. But just having more compassion because we are all the same. We are from the same God. It's just the ego trying to distract us and trying to keep us separate from that holy instant of love where we could just live. And when I think of Yogananda and hearing him speak about wanting to go to the Himalayan mountains and meditate with his guru, and it was something he tried to do several times and it didn't quite work out. And then it finally did. But his guru was saying, like, the mountains are within you. You know, you don't need to travel someplace. Just kind of like deal with what's on front of your face today, right now, and bring the love to it. Which brings me to one of Cindy Bernard's quotes I pulled from her book that I have now in my bathroom, which is, you are not a body, you are love, and it matters not where love appears to be. For being love, it cannot be wrong. And I think that's from the course. I think I just want to try and flow with this love theme through the end of the year and trying to try to not see the differences and to try and make everything the same, whether it's I wish someone shows up differently or wish I had more money in my account or wish I had a certain kind of job or like whatever's going on for me instead of um, I have a spiritual trust that everything's going to turn out, but just keep practicing forgiveness and giving over the illusion, whatever the illusion is in the moment and just trying to stay in love. That's fantastic. Thank you for saying that. I think uh, I will adopt that. I, um, you know, I go to Catholic mass um, occasionally, but more recently I have been. And one of the reasons I like it, not that, you know, I grew up very Catholic, went to Catholic schools, but, I, you know, I'm not really into Catholicism anymore, but it's imprinted and, and I love being in church for that hour because it's everybody there who has a strong desire to have, you know, an hour with God kind of thing. But I also found that what was being said in the mass, it just, it doesn't align with me anymore. So I started just like rewriting on the fly, the stories and the, the hymns and stuff. So you know, I can't help but start, you know, laughing like a crazy person in the pew because I'm just making stuff up. I'm, you know, 
all of a sudden these these characters that the priest is talking about are completely different in my mind. But I didn't care because to me, it's just the experience of being there for an hour in an environment where people just want to be together, you know, in Christ. And for me, it's like, this is fantastic. So in a way, I'm kind of taking advantage, but, you know, whatever. Um, Like you were talking about, you wanted to kind of like play with and be in that experience of love. And that's how I feel like when I go to, to mass, because what's really being said has zero impact on me whatsoever. It really doesn't. I mean, even the activity of kneeling and standing up and, you know, whatever and putting money in the the collection plate um to me it's all just like whatever you know but thank you very much for allowing that space where i can come in and kind of absorb it all yeah i i think i would personally have a hard time not judging in that moment because i remember once going to a service and all the up and down part it just i thought it was hysterical and i couldn't stop laughing i know it is funny right but it's a little bit of Catholic cardio, I guess. Um, (laughs) You know, I don't know why, but, you know, every, and this is what I thought was so interesting when Stefan was sitting next to me and we were having this conversation at dinner. He's from France and he said that most of the French are now atheists. And I was like, well, that's so bizarre because, you know, I'm a big history buff and historically um, France has been a major player in Catholicism. And he's like, yeah, but things have completely changed and, you know, nobody's really into the Catholic Church anymore. It's like blew my mind. I thought, wow, that the the seat, um, obviously it's Rome, but back in the day, the Holy Roman Empire was like really centered in France. So I thought, how times change. It does feel like there's a lot of heavy, big structures and ways that are crumbling. And the church is one of them. Yeah, that's true. But I can't help but love the, the symbology and I love the magic of the transmogrification of the of the host and the free wine and whatever. So I, I definitely see like the fun parts of it, but I don't know if that's really what other Catholics would see. But I do appreciate it and I have had a lifelong love of crosses. I love big crosses, like, you know, around your neck and stuff. And my friend Todd made me this great rosary. And I go, I got this weird thing about religious jewelry. I must have made it in a past life or something, but I love it. I don't love it as much as hot tamale cinnamon candy stuff. (laughs) It's a big love for me right now. Kind of looking at it differently and not really seeing it as an addiction anymore. Just like, just like anything else without the judgment of it. Because I definitely have judgment. Like, oh no, I can't eat that. I'm going to get like, fat on my thighs you know we are meaning making machines that we are all right Steph we're coming up to our end point is there anything else you'd like to discuss or just happy holidays to everybody embrace the love be the light just be I'm gonna be an extension of love as much as I can remember that's a good one you're always good with these I want to close out by giving two personal shout outs, if you don't mind. One of them is to our sweet friend, Stefan. I don't know. I wish I could just hug that guy like all day. He he was just so, so sweet and charming. And, and kind of like to me, he was a package of just pure love. Wow. It was such a pleasure to meet him and to spend time with him and have conversation with him. And, you know, we shared a bottle of uh, the blood of Christ. So that was good. We had been texting you, had been texting him and I had been texting him. So I'm going to see if I can continue that that um, kind of discourse. And also a huge shout out to uh, Carol. Man, Carol, I don't know what to say. I mean, you blew me away. You still blow me away. I haven't even talked to you in a week. I'm so grateful to have met you. You made me laugh more than you even know. You are continuing to make me laugh. And laughter is the best medicine, I guess. I hope that we uh, can continue to have conversation. What a joy and a gift you have been in my life. And I only met you for one day. So there you go. Thank you very much for that. And Stefan, thank you very much. And Stephanie, as always, um, you're my partner in crime. I hope that everyone has a fantastic holiday and Christmas, and we will talk to you in 2020. Good night, everybody.